0: Saved. You believe it, right? Like, we don't really know for sure, but we believe it by faith, amen? But healing is a bit more difficult because it's so easy to see, like, your leg was broken. Is it now broken or not broken, right? It's quite difficult in that sense. Like, it's so easy to verify, whereas something like our salvation is more like, okay, we believe it by faith. So, the reason why I say I'm nervous about it is. I understand, I've seen it in my life, and I'm sure all of you have seen in your lives, that we've, we've experienced the measure of, of disappointment when it comes to healing. Anyone? A couple of honest people in the room. Awesome. Okay, I've, I've experienced that. I've prayed for a couple of people, including uh, my grandparents. Three of them passed away, two from cancer, um, one from just a very strange thing. But the point is, like I've, I've seen the disappointment, right? And um, it was quite funny. I, I truly believe what I'm about to preach tonight is something I believe in my heart, but it's amazing how when I was preparing for this, I actually started believing it even more. <laughs> it was pretty cool. So I'm literally preaching to myself tonight as well. So I need your guys' help. It's going to be awesome. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're going to talk about healing. Okay. So why, why is healing difficult? First of all, our understanding about healing is somewhat like an incomplete puzzle, right? Also, like I said, it, it's very experiential. And we know through Scripture that we understand in part, and we know in part, and one day we will see in fullness, right? But it's that in-between part where it's, it's pretty difficult. Between now and eternity, how do we, how do we manage that? So I want to propose something to you today Is the idea of truth, okay? Truth does not depend on our ability to understand it. Let's say this side. Truth does not depend on our ability to understand it. What does that mean? It means that truth remains true whether we can comprehend it or not. Okay? I'm going to teach you guys a very big word today. This is a psychological term called an argument from incredulity turn to your neighbor and say, an argument from incredulity. <laughs> Some of the Afrikaans people are like, what now? <laughs> <laughs> argument from incredulity. So this is, this is a concept. This is a concept that basically says, sometimes we, we don't understand something, so we just... Re- that is not true. So to say, for example, that we are completely free of sin by the death of Jesus, that sounds weird in our head when we go and sin, right? So like, how can that be true if I just sinned? But yet it's true, right? Okay, so this is how, what we're going to start getting into tonight. The first scripture we're going to look at, or first what we're going to look at is healing in the Bible. You see on the left-hand side, there's the Greek words for healing in the New Testament. I actually didn't even there's too many instances of healing in the Bible. I couldn't just do both of them. So I just to focus just on the New Testament here. And it shows you the main definition of these three words and how many times they are used in the King uh, King James Version. Okay, so we've got the word sozo there, the first one. Main definition is salvation, but it's actually translated a couple of different ways. And three of them, three of the times is actually translated as the word healed. Okay, then we get the, the second word there therapio, which we get the word therapy from, obviously, Um, and that's to cure through various ways, and God provides these gifts of healings, okay, 48 times in the Bible, 38 times used as heal, Then the the last word there is leomai, and that is a one way of healing where there's an instantaneous miracle, like literally in the moment, and you'll see that's used 32 times and 28 times um, as heal. But what you see is if you look at all these words, where they're used, it's quite amazing how there's this crazy like integration between either being healed of sickness or rescued or saved or delivered or made whole from distress, actually even saved from sin, uh, healed from sickness, danger or demons. So you'll see there's a lot of, there's a lot of interconnectedness. The next scripture is going to be a part of our focal point Amen. Who's who's read this passage? I believe all of us have probably heard it in some sense, okay? So Isaiah 53 verse 3 to 5, probably one of my favorite uh, scriptures, and it says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted Jesus. But he was pierced through for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities the chastising for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging we are healed okay so there's actually so much to unpack in this the scripture but this this contains this idea of of body soul and spirit right so we we are not bodies this is not marshant that's my name by the way if you didn't know this is not marshant this is just My body, right? The fact that it's got the word my in means it's possession of something. So we are a spirit with a soul and a body, okay? Sounds pretty hectic. It's not that hectic. Think about it. Your body is this. Your soul is your emotions, your mind, your will, your thoughts, and your spirit is the essence of who we are, who God created us to be. And that's how we can have relationship primarily with him is through the spirit. Okay, so I've heard a lot of people um, quote this this uh, scripture in healing, and I agree that it's, it's as much physical as it is spiritual and in our soul dimension, right? But then I've heard people say, but it's not about healing, it's spiritual. It's only about spiritual salvation. I get really upset with that. Because if you actually look at how it's quoted in Matthew 8, it's quoted in the context of physical healing and freedom from demonization. If you're new in church, that word sounds pretty hectic. Demonization basically means that you can be under the influence or you can be in some way oppressed by a spirit that we see in the Bible. We see Jesus literally delivering so many people of these, these foul spirits, these evil spirits that have an effect on our lives. It's very real, very, very, very real. Uh, next scripture there is exactly where it's quoted. It says, now when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed And he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all, say all, who were ill. This happened so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah would be fulfilled, and that's that scripture. He himself took our illnesses and carried away our diseases. Do you notice that the words are different? Okay, so in Isaiah it actually said, surely our griefs he bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet... Matthew, when he quotes it, actually says that it's our illnesses that were carried and our diseases that were taken away. Some of the commentaries I read actually says that the way Matthew translates it is actually the correct translation of the Hebrew words. Pretty cool to see. But it's, again, it's this mixture idea of the body, the soul, the spirit. And then just two other scriptures that you can look at in your own time. I'm talking about the idea of spirit, soul, body. Just so that you know, it is a biblical idea. It's not some wishy-washy, fancy stuff. It's in the Bible, and it's real. Okay, so let's ask the crowd, why is healing important? Why are we doing this as a, as a church? Why are we talking about healing? Any, any, any ideas? Anybody know? rickus to glorify God. Awesome. That's cheating. <laughs> That's cheating. Okay, that was a good one here's some that I've found to be true about why healing is important, right? So first of all, it's to reveal God's works or his ways or his will. In John 9 verse 3, it says, Jesus answered. This is is a great story where a man is born blind and the disciples say, Jesus, what's up with this guy? Was it because of his sin or his parents' sin that he's blind? Now, why why did they say that? I believe that they probably had an idea of that's a lot of times what caused sin, is there was some form, sorry, sickness, was some form of sin, right? But Jesus in this instance actually says, no, it's neither. Not him nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. The second reason why healing is important is because it's actually the best method, in my opinion, to preach the gospel. How many of you know that if you have an unbelieving friend that's a complete atheist who has broken leg and you pray for his leg and it he gets healed, that guy's going to probably believe. <laughs> He's probably going to be a bit more inclined to believe that this God that Mars is speaking of, this sounds weird, but I don't know, man. My leg was broken and now it's not broken anymore. It's a means to preach the gospel. And you can see there in John 2 as well. It says, when they were in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name as they observed his signs. And what he was doing. Believe it or not, there's a lot of Christians that they still are brothers in Christ and we love them, but they actually believe that the gifts of the Spirit are not for today in the sense that if we go out and pray for people for healing, that's actually not biblical. Can you believe that? I think it's ridiculous. I think it's obviously like crazily ridiculous. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have the one true Jesus Who laid down his life and was risen from the dead. That spirit is in us. And you're telling me we can't pray for people for healing. Ridiculous. Number three, and this is what Luke preached on last week, is this idea of God having compassion. And I would like to propose that perhaps a part of why we miss how important healing is, is because we don't understand the compassion of Jesus. And I say this in terms of ourselves as well, you know, like not even just in healing, just in, in walking in the fullness of what God has for us. Actually, it shows us that we have a, a lack of understanding of the compassion of Jesus. If you knew how much God really loved you, really loved you, I think half the stuff we, we, we struggle with in our lives would we just melt away but it's because it's, it's this 18-inch drop from the head to the heart, right? Who knows God loves them? Who believes God loves them? I'd like to think so. But let's be honest, in some areas in our lives, we don't actually believe it. See, so what we believe overflows in our actions, and it and it overflows into our behavior. I've got, I've got a thing in my life where I said to the Lord, the Lord, I want to be so free of fear that nothing, nothing holds me back from pursuing Him more. But how many of you know when you need to go pray for someone with crutches, you're like, Lord, uh, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Why? Why? Fear of man. That's what it is. If you tell the guy or the, the lady, hey, look, this might sound crazy and I might look like an idiot and I hope you don't get upset, but I believe. God can heal, and I, I want to pray for you. The worst thing that can happen is that the person doesn't get healed. But what if they do? What if they do? Okay, let's go back to compassion. Look at Matthew nine verse thirty-five. It says Jesus was going through all the cities, and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Yo, the gospel of the kingdom. That's powerful. That's a word study on its own. And healing every disease and every sickness. Seeing the crowds, this is where the the emphasis comes in for me. Seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And then another amazing story where we see the compassion of Jesus is when Lazarus is dying and actually dies And Mary runs to Jesus. He actually like takes his time. He takes like two extra days to get there. It's like, what the heck, Jesus? My friend's dying and you take extra two days to get here. And it's like Jesus knew all along what he was going to do. He knew he was going to heal him and raise him from the dead. Yet, when Mary came running to him with the other Jews, it actually says they were weeping. And him, Jesus, seeing their weeping, he actually started weeping shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Crazy that he had compassion for something he knew was going to be dealt with. Why did he feel that way? Clearly it's, it's the heart function of him having so much compassion that even though he knew what was going to happen, he felt their pain and he, he actually identified with them. Isn't that amazing that God isn't just in heaven being like, oh, you're such a loser. Stop being so sad about this stuff. Like, uh, you know, he's actually, he, com- he, he, he actually is there with us. He feels it with us. He experiences it with us. That's a good God. Okay, number four. I love this one. To destroy the works of the devil. I hear so many people attribute sickness to God and I get it, it's a tricky one. But sometimes I think, what if in this case, this is actually of the devil, and now you're saying, oh no, that's that's God doing that. You know what that's called? Blasphemy. That is attributing the work of the devil to God. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I really don't. So, you'll see. We're going to get into a little bit of a framework of how to go after healing, what to deal, what to deal with that maybe prevents us from experiencing it, and like I said, it's it's not as easy as it looks, right? Like, there's, like I said, our, our understanding is somewhat incomplete, but we do have some good guidelines. Okay, so let's look at a couple of reasons why healing may not manifest. Okay, so number one, we do not know or believe the will of God. This one's, yeah, this one's hectic. I believe that the will of God is probably one of the most misunderstood theological doctrines in in the church. And I'm not saying I've got full understanding of it, but that's part of my point is, if you think you can just understand the will of God always, then you don't understand. (laughs) God cannot be put into a box. So some people have this mentality that if this happens, then it must have been God's will, because if it wasn't His will, then it wouldn't have happened. But to be honest with you, it's not that simple, unfortunately, right? So yes, he is in control in the sense that he has supreme reign over everything, and that's what this definition here says. God's sovereignty is that one, it may be seen as the divine right that he has to rule totally. It's the right to rule totally. It's not that he rules totally in the sense of he's pulling all the strings. He's not behind you having a bowl of oats in the morning. I don't think he really cares about that, you know, but there are certain things where he chooses to extend his exercised right. Okay, so that's usually I always get into these debates with friends of mine because I love theology and I love uh, growing and gleaning from each other and ironing iron sharpens iron. But I get this frustration when I just hear people, oh, but it's the will of God. Yeah, you, you know, you you sin because it's the will of God. What? How is it the will of God that we sin? Right? Okay, I'm not going to go too far into this, but the point is, our experiences often do not reflect God's will for our lives. Example, sin, okay? So, if the will of God in our life is for healing and we do not experience it, we cannot just throw that away and say, well, it's the will of God, because what did Jesus actually model in Scripture? He only did what he heard the Father do or say. He only went where the Father sent him, and he only did what the Father told him to do, right? Right? And that's our responsibility as well. As he is in the world, so are we. And then listen to this quote from F.F. Bosworth. Um, and then also, if you want to have like a very comprehensive uh, tool for healing, this guy's book, I'm only like halfway through, so I can't endorse everything because I don't know what the other half is, but it's really, really, really good. And almost says it's really good, so you know it's true. Maybe if I say it like Almo, it will be true. It's really good. Listen to what he says, the needy one should first learn from scriptures what God's will is in the matter. The hand of faith, this is powerful, listen to this, the hand of faith cannot reach out and take from God what the eye of faith does not first see to be the will of God. Whoa, someone should put that on a t-shirt. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, what's that word? The reality, and that will make you free. That's John 8, 32, I think, that he's quoting there. Okay, so wisdom is actually a form of the will of God, right? If we have the wisdom to understand what he's doing, what he's saying, and to partner with that, that's how we actually see the will of God being done, right? So if the will of God for us is to live free of sin or to to be healed, what do we need to do? We need to take that, we need to see it with faith and reach out with faith to grab it. But if you can't see it, how are you going to take it? Okay, next slide, continued. There isn't a single example in the healing ministry of Jesus when he actually said to someone, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, sorry, it's not my will for you to be healed. Just, just go, go, go away. He never, said, he never did that, not once. The only time in scripture where we see healing not really happen, and we'll, we'll chat about it a little bit later in one of the scriptures, is actually when um, the disciples were busy trying to heal a, a, a child that had some form of, like, epilepsy or a demon or a spirit is what it's attributed to. And, I mean, these are, like, God's go-to ministers, right? And they couldn't get these this, this kid free. And they come to Jesus, and they're like, Lord, we don't know what's going on. We've done everything we know to do. Like, we are the disciples. I mean, come on. And he actually, he doesn't say, oh, oh, sorry. No, it's because it wasn't my will for that child to be set free. So... Don't worry about it. You did, you did well. <laughs> he doesn't do that. He actually rebukes them. He says, you crooked and perverse generation. How long must I put up with your unbelief? And then he says, this kindly goes through prayer and fasting. And there's a key for us there. If you want to grow your faith, a great way to do that is prayer and fasting. Because it's horrible for your body. <laughs> it sucks. But that's where your spirit actually comes up. Okay, so he only did what he saw the father do and what he heard the father do or say. This is an amazing quote that Monica shared with us at Bible school. We actually happened to talk about healing last week, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, And it says, those wondering about the will of God will be surpassed by those doing the will of God. Who wants to do the will of God? Amen. Me too. Good company. Okay, let's look at James 1 verse 5. I said that wisdom and the will of God are quite intertwined. So, James says here, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that person ought not to expect that he shall receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded, a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Okay, that's harsh. (laughs) That's pretty harsh. So we can and should ask God for wisdom, right? Wisdom of what to do, wisdom of when to do it, wisdom of what to say. But ultimately, we cannot rely on our own experiences. We have to rely on the will of God, the Word of God. The next reason why we don't always see healing, I believe, in this, you'll see that all of these kind of are intertwined in a way. There's this idea of It's all multifaceted. In the same way that we are body, soul, and spirit, all of these things are very intertwined. So the second one, um, you can go to the next slide, there is faith. Who knows what the the Greek word for faith is in the New Testament? Anyone that reads the Bible? (laughs) Okay, it's the word, I don't know how you pronounce it, but pistis, (laughs) pistis. Um, And actually, it actually more accurately is to actually trust and rely and lean on God. Okay, so listen to this. In Mark 16, is where the disciples are uh, commissioned, and it says, there's now Jesus saying unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Have you ever wondered about that all creation part? I took that literally at a time and preached the gospel to my dog, so I believe he's saved. Um, you should try it. It's good practice to also, practice sermon, uh, a sermon and preaching. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was pretty interesting. Anyway, so it says, the one who has believed past tense right the one who has believed and has been baptized will be saved but the one who has not believed will be condemned these signs will accompany those who have believed so a lot of people say this just for the disciples I don't think that's correctly interpreted because after that we get the 70 that are also sent out and they do the same thing and what did the 70 do they went and evangelized and made disciples and the whole point of Christianity is disciple making disciple making disciple making so, Jesus wouldn't have taught people, hey, this is what you should do, but no one else should do this. That's not how, that's not how it worked. Being a disciple was literally you're an apprentice. So, you sit and learn and become like the person that you're learning from, and then you would go and do the same with people under you. That's the model. Okay, and then it says, in my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. They will pick up the serpents and they will drink any deadly poison and will not harm them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Those who have believed will do these things. Right, so I've heard some people, what I like to call modern day Pharisees, saying, yo, but you're not picking up snakes and you're not drinking poison. Like, that's not the point. The point is the protection and the the move of God will empower you to do what he's calling you to do. And maybe that would look like picking up a snake in that situation. But that's not the point. The point is that we are being sent with the authority if we believe him who sent us to do what he sent us to do, right? Now look at this. We know the scripture that says if faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God, that's how we get faith, right? So what if the opposite is true? What if not hearing the word of God makes us not be able to hear and therefore our faith Either it doesn't come or it actually goes. I'd like to propose that perhaps the reason why we don't see a lot of healings, well, depends who you ask, I guess, but the reason why we don't see as much healing as we think we should is partly because our faith in this area has been robbed. And I think it's because of bad teaching based on lack of experience. So I want to have faith on you. I need to hear the word of God. I believe the word of God shows us clearly that Jesus healed all who came to him. That's hectic. Next one, even more hectic. Why healing doesn't always manifest, the sin. Luke always likes to go, turn to your neighbor and say, -er." (laughs) I don't like that so much. (laughs) I believe, yeah, I think it's bad theology. You should talk to Luke. I can't believe he's a pastor here. <laughs> he's awesome. Um, but the premise for me is actually more like we are saints. If you have given your, your heart to Jesus, if you have confessed him as Lord, and you have you have started on this journey of making him not just your Savior, but your Lord, you have repented of your sin, and you are turning towards him, you're being sanctified more and more like unto the image of Christ, then you're no longer a sinner, you're actually a saint. You can still sin, in the same way that you can, ha- you can be a Christian who God has promised us healing and still get sick. But for some reason, we always overfocus on the spiritual side because it's, it's easier to not see, right? So in the same way, like I love one pastor says, sickness is to the body what sin is to the soul. Think about it. Before sin actually came into the world, there was no emotional turmoil. There was no... Um, demonization there was no physical sickness all of that came from sin okay and listen to how hectic this is in Isaiah 1 verse 15 and and Psalm 66 it actually talks about God is not obligated to hear the prayer of a sinner doesn't mean he doesn't listen to a prayer of a sinner you see he's not obligated that's crazy that's really crazy so this is why repentance is so important right we, we've probably heard this uh, verse quoted quite a lot lately with the pandemic is um, in 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, My people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin, one. And two, I will heal their land. Remember I said all these things are like very intertwined, right? So look at that. Heal their land and forgive their sin. In John 9 verse 3, the story we hear the disciples actually asked um, about that blind man that I mentioned. Again, there's this idea that, that sin somehow has some form of a role to play. Okay, on the next slide, James 5, probably one of the most important scriptures in healing in my opinion. It says, James 5 uh, verse 13, if any among you are suffering, then you must pray. If they are cheerful, you must to sing praises. Verse 14, if any, is anyone among you sick, then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. And a prayer, this is a key part, a prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, sins, they will be forgiven. This is weird. He says, here's a sick guy. Let him, let him be prayed for, and if he has sins, he'll be forgiven. Then look what it says next. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And that word healed is that instant miraculous healing. And then it says the, prayer of a, uh, effect, the effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. Okay, so much there. But how weird is it that on the one side, it's like, hey, if, if you pray for him for healing, his sins will be forgiven. And then on the other side, it's like, if you confess your sins, you will be healed you see that mirror it's quite weird it's like like I said it's all kind of intertwined in a way weirdly enough but the 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 next key part is the effective prayer not the useless prayer the effective prayer the one translation says the fervent, to, fer, to, to fervor is like to be passionate and to be like serious not just like Lord please heal this person amen like I don't know if that's fervent. I'm not saying you need to shout and scream, but it has to move you. If it doesn't move you, it probably doesn't move God. Okay, next slide. I just want to check. How, how much time do I have? Almost oh, <laughs> Till when? Whew. Okay, who's willing to give me two extra minutes? Two, four, six, eight, 10, 12. Okay, no, I'm kidding. I'll, I'll, I'll power through this. Unforgiveness, moral of the story. Just forgive people stop being prideful, I hate this, it's ridiculous, read these two scriptures and then ask yourself if you still want to be unforgiving and holding grudges, man, it's just dumb, it's just dumb, okay, rant over, next one, we hardly pray for people, that's why we don't see healing, survey, how many of you have prayed for someone physically, like you went to them and said, hey sir, can I pray for you, Lord, please heal us, amen, how many of you done that, in the last week well done okay not to condemn anyone who's done it in the last month still not that much who's done in the last year (laughs) okay so again not to condemn you myself included but that should show us something right you miss 100% of the shots you don't take that's what my football coach used to tell me and then I took all the shots and I scored all the goals I'm kidding But the point is, we have to pray for people. James 1 says, do not just hear the word of God, do what it says. Tonight, and hopefully if you could do your own research, you'll see that there's a lot of evidence showing us we should really be doing stuff. We should go pray. We should go evangelize. We should go preach the gospel. Next slide. Yeah, we're motoring. We can do this. We can do this. Okay. Just a quick story. Um, I went to America for a year to go to a ministry school called BSSM, and there was one week called Healing Week. And I was like, yes, I'm finally gonna figure out the formula to seeing people healed 100% all the time. And then they start the session off with, um, Randy Clark goes into the session called The Agony of Defeat. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but I'm pumped to just get all the answers. And then he literally for an hour and a half spoke about how devastating it was for him to see so many people die when he prayed for them. And this is a guy who's got a ministry known for like thousands of, hundreds of thousands of healings. And his point was, you have to be realistic and, and understand, yes, you will fail. But what's crucially important and which will define how you look at all of this is what do you do with that disappointment? I was in a pretty dark, dark sounds a bit hectic, but I was in a pretty bad space a couple of weeks ago where I was just frustrated with God. I was like, Lord do you really want to show people who you are? Do you really want to heal? And I just, you know, was like a little sulky teenager. And then I listened to a sermon of Bill Johnson three days after his wife passed from cancer. And that was part of why I was angry and frustrated, because I'm like, surely, Lord, if there's someone to heal, it's them. And um, just to see his heart posture behind how he handled the situation and how he viewed God and how his integrity was intact, I was like, I was so convicted. I was like, I made this all about me. It had nothing to do with me. There's a good, it, it's good to be frustrated to an extent, but how we react to that should always be towards Jesus. Not looking for an answer, but looking for the presence of Jesus because your answers aren't going to mean much to you. Okay, we're doing really good for time. What am I not saying? This is what I'm not saying. That tribulations won't happen. We are promised that they will, right? There's a couple of scriptures there, but I do believe Jesus has supplied the solution for this, okay? We will get sick, but I believe Jesus has paid the the price for healing. We will sin, but I believe Jesus has paid the price for our salvation and freedom of sin. We will struggle with emotional stuff, but it doesn't have to be like that forever. People can be healed of depression. People can be healed of anxiety and set free. Number two, I'm not saying that we will not die. I do believe we'll all die because that's what Scripture tells us. But I believe the general plan for God for us is to live long, healthy lives as we serve Him until the day we meet Jesus. Amen. I'm also not saying that every case of not being healed is our fault. The last thing I want is for anyone that's not been healed of something or that's seen loss to go home and destroy yourself with doubt and frustration and anger towards yourself of, I didn't pray enough or I didn't believe enough. That's not the heart of this tonight. But again, it's this tension between understanding we do have some bit of a responsibility and yet God is also sovereign and we, we kind of try to figure that out. We don't have all the answers, okay? I'm also not saying that everyone will be healed every time, although that is how we should pray, that we actually expect it, right? So what am I saying? I am saying the following, that God has clearly revealed to us in his word that not only can he heal, but he wants to heal. And we have some part to play in that. Matthew 8, part of the Great Commission is to proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is our assignment. Just because we suck at it doesn't change. doesn't change it. We still need to do it, right? So here's the challenge. How do we take that and not be spiritual gluttons? Don't just take tonight. Do something with it. All of the amazing teachings that we get from Armour and the church and all the material, do something with it. If you've been set free of depression, go share your testimony. If you've been healed, you're going to have an opportunity tonight to come share that, by the way. Um, But do these things. Don't just keep it to yourself. It's never meant to be like that. God's favor and blessing and freedom is always meant to overflow into the lives of people around us. And if it's not, you're not using it correctly. Okay, there we go, <laughs> that wasn't too bad, <laughs> I want to do something, the band can come up so long, I want to I give some people the opportunity to share, if you've had healing in the last while, if you were here last week and you were prayed for and you were healed, there was a couple of people in uh, intercession, I want you to come up, um, and anyone else, if you've been healed of something, I want you to just come up and quickly, like real quick, share that, like. One minute. I know there's two of you. Two of you at least. Here comes one. Yeah! Niku. Okay, real quick, share what Jesus did. Um, okay, so I've got scoliosis. Those of you who do not know what that is, Google it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, my one leg is shorter than the other, and I think that's play, that played a big role in... Used to. <laughs> um so yeah, Blaine, very good friend of mine, he prayed for healing and my lower leg actually grew. I felt it grow. I get ni longer geworden. Um a little bit earlier this week I did something to my wrist which I didn't I don't know what I did, but it was, for two, three days, it was extremely painful. I was on for worship this morning, so I actually wasn't sure I was going to be able to, to play. Um, and then one morning, in the rush of trying to get all the kids ready for school and everything, it was not a very spiritual moment for those who have kids know, that crazy hour before 7 a.m. Um, I just grabbed my seven-year-old and I said, this is really sore. Will you pray for my wrist? And she put her hand on my wrist. She said, Jesus, will you heal Daddy's wrist? And it was completely pain-free. Anyone else? Anyone else that experienced healing this past week or two? Awesome. Share real quick, real quick. So I was in Cape Town and I had to do a medical checkup because I'm leaving South Africa soon. But my medical checkups were like, I normally had low iron and I have a broken coccyx. I've broken twice. And I the X-Rail and the extra came back negative that nothing's broken in my body. Come on, praise Jesus, that's powerful. Okay, so what we're gonna do now is you're gonna have the opportunity to actually do and not just hear. So if you have any form of sickness in your body or any physical pain or injury, I um, want you to stand, please, if you don't mind. Nice, come on. Okay, or if you're on chronic medication as well, we believe Jesus can heal that as well. We love doctors, but we also love Jesus, and we know He can heal. Okay, so what I want you guys as the church to do is to gather around those people, ask them real quick, hey, what's wrong with you? Hear what they say, and actually just start praying. And not, Lord, if your will is, say, thank you, Lord, that you've died and paid the price. We proclaim healing now over this person. Okay, do that, get around people, get around people.